thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Work Hard Retire Early podcast. As always, my name is Joseph Hadaway, and I'm your host. Today, I have the opportunity to sit down with Mark Schuler, the president of SGRE Investments, and Josh Welts, the founder of Three Pillars Investments, and they are real estate investors with a primary focus on multifamily investing. They each founded and built their firms from nothing to the impressive point they are at today. So how are you today, gentlemen? Very fine. Thank you. Well, good. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Good to hear. Thank you all very much for coming on. So, uh, of course, you know, I gave a bit of a high level overview. Y'all like to dig into the weeds a little bit about, you know, what you do and who you are. Any of your backstory? Sure. Why don't I go first, Josh? Um, My name is Mark Schuler, and I am based out of Seattle, Washington, uh, where I've been uh, practicing architect for about 35 years. I'm licensed in both Washington and Texas, um, and I'm also about eight years ago now for my own private real estate equity firm where I've been buying and rehabbing apartment buildings for the most part, um, sold a number of deals for a nice profit, but really kind of focus on the opportunistic value add space where we're buying very distressed assets, renovating them extensively, raising rents, raising, uh, money from private investors and uh, paying them returns uh, uh, for the opportunity to invest in my deals. So going pretty well. Um, I've partnered up with Josh on a number of deals uh, in Texas, and now we're starting to look at other states in the South and Southeast and um, have no intention of slowing down anytime soon. I can tell you that. I hear you there. Uh, my name is Josh Welch. Uh, I am the founder and CEO of uh, Three Pillars Capital. We're based out of Houston, Texas. Uh, my background, I, I come from an engineering background. Mark and I actually both went to the same, at the same alma mater, uh, University of Michigan, so go blue. And, um, you know, I did, I did that for a number of years, kind of similar to Mark's story. You know, I kind of just fell in love with real estate. I got the bug, as they say. And, um, you know, while I was still working corporate side of things, I, I was, you know, owning my own single family rentals in Florida, I had a, had a portfolio built up there, but it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't scaling fast enough. I wanted to do something bigger and a little bit grander. So, um, transition into multifamily about, you know, about five years ago now and you know, decided that Houston was going to be the home base for that. Um, and we, as a firm, we specifically target. Uh, like workforce housing, we call class B and C value add projects. And the purpose is really twofold. One, um, because it's a great asset class that is very resilient during uh, economic downturns. Um, The thesis goes, you know, people in class A apartments that, you know, lose a job or they get downsized, they can't afford to live that luxury lifestyle. They'll have to live somewhere. So they'll just, you know, maybe cut their expenses a little bit, maybe move into a class B apartment, like the kind of apartments that we own. Um, so it tends to be very resilient and can weather a lot of storms. Um, the second thing is we're serving communities that don't really get a lot of attention, underserved communities, communities that a lot of owners in our space that can operate these like slum wars. They choose to do it that way. We don't take that approach. We like to make these places that people, uh, you know, really want to call home and are proud to call home. So we do luxury upgrades on all of our units. So they look like a luxury condo when they're all done. And we, we can get away with it and we achieve the success by doing a lot of that in-house. So we're a vertically integrated company. So the rents that we need to get to generate a good return for our investors don't need to be that high because of the fact that we're getting a lot of cost savings of doing that in-house. Um, so that's that's kind of our backstory. I'm just going to kind of jump right into it here. 
And I think it's interesting you mentioned this because it was one of the first questions I had. Um, I guess, you know, what opportunity do you see in multifamily real estate that you don't feel that you see in, say, single family? Scalability, for one thing. Um, you know, you buy one multifamily asset, 100 units, you'd have to buy the equivalent of 100 homes to make it work. And you have 100 fewer roofs, 100 fewer driveways, 100 fewer headaches to contend mm-hmm. with. Um also, the way multifamily is valued compared to single family, um, multifamily is valued on multiples of cash flow and, you know, cap rates and a lot of other metrics. So single family is value is worth exactly what some knucklehead is willing to pay for it at any given moment in time. So, you know, you can guess kind of what your exit's going to be on a single family house, but it is it is a lot less predictable. And in, in my opinion, it's not commercial grade or investment grade real estate. I mean, a lot of people do it. That's how they get started. Sort of the bigger pockets model, you know, the Burr method. But I just never really wanted to go there. So I jumped right over the single family game and and left right into multifamily just because of the attractiveness of uh, owning multiples of cash flow and uh, being able to pay myself, uh, you know, a nice dividend over time. And I've spoken with some other people in the last few weeks and that's kind of seems to be the consensus of multifamily is scalable and there's a lot less headaches that's where the money's at to say the least pretty tremendous demand for product right now so not only is it yeah i mean you're also seeing a being valued on sort of the organic cash flow but there is just so much demand for product we're seeing really um a lot of irrationality in the marketplace driving up asset prices so you know if you can uh buy a value add deal in an emerging market that's called a millionaire's maker, um, the millionaire market. And I've done that six, seven times and made a tremendous amount of money on behalf of my investors. Just knowing when, I guess it's the equivalent of timing the market in the stock market. Um, to get pretty good at reading the tea leaves, you can stay out in front of it and, and really tor- you know, turbocharge your uh, returns. Yeah. I mean, I will add to that. The one difference um, really that makes our asset class phenomenal compared to pretty much any other asset class that I found is the fact that, yeah, there's a bit of timing involved, but at the end of the day, because it's based on um, a cash flow valuation of what the value of the property actually is, it's a pretty simple game. You just have to look at, you know, what, what are the financials and what, what is the performance of the property look like that you've been given? What are you looking to pay for it? And then, how much can you then improve the performance of the property? How much can you get rents up? Can you decrease expenses? And some of that comes with experience and knowing what the market averages are there. Um, but even if you're at the top of the market, if you find something that's undervalued and you know that, hey, if I cut my utility bill by doing XYZ conservation, I'm going to generate an extra 10% of the NOI. That's an instant reflect in the bottom line, which would be an instant addition to the valuation of that property, regardless of where the market happens to be at that time. So timing can be a factor, but it's not nearly as critical as it would be for trying to time the market and you're not buying up the highs of the stock market. So, um, and of course, you know, you kind of, or I think Mark more so touched on this than you did. The real estate market right now is insane, especially in the single family and even probably, you know, the two triplexes. So, mm-hmm. When you're looking for a, de- a deal in today's market, what are you looking for? How do you find it? Are they out there to find? Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I mean, this the market is insane. It's extremely competitive. There are still deals to be had. Um, you know, it's a lot of its relationship to, um, 
this is a very long game. These, these are not in and out type of investments. It's not like, you know, buying a stock and you can sell it the next day. Um, you know, you've got to be committed to these deals. Once you get something and you buy and you own it, you know, it takes several years to turn something around. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, so, you know, so, and that's when relationships really matter. So the more relationships that you have with, you know, whether it's brokers, you know, we do a lot of stuff off market with other sellers in the area. Um, I found a lot of time, it's not always about price. It's about, you know, there's, there's a thousand terms that go into these contracts. And sometimes sellers just like doing business with people they've done business with before and people they like. It can be as simple as that. And they're willing to forego an extra two, three, 5% of added uh, sales price if they know that you're a sure bet and they don't have to waste three months of due diligence on you. And then you're going to kick the tire and run away and, and leave them hanging. It's, it takes, yeah, it takes, you know, sometimes two to three months to close these deals. And so that right there is worth so much. And so the relationships can, can really add up in, in those moments. Really is. Uh, I hate to bring the cliche on here, but you know, your network is your net worth. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So, uh, and then, you know, out of curiosity, y'all, focus more on local deals or do you do long start long distance excuse me investing as well we do um i know mark does both i we do both as well uh the three pillars we you know a, a majority of our stuff is in houston because it's just such a phenomenal market and we haven't exhausted the possibilities yet so it hasn't forced us to go outside of houston but um you know we are um currently looking at deals outside of the state um, there's some other really good markets uh that we're looking at and, those opportunities are still abundant. You just have to you just have to put in the work to find them. You know, in my case, I live in a market that is extremely competitive. It's one of the most competitive markets in the country, and I just quit looking for deals here. They're just too expensive. Um, you know, I've got brokers whispering in my ear about a 2020 build that's supposedly a value add play. You know, and um, so I just about five years ago started looking around the country quite a bit and it's it is hard to penetrate a new market you have to set up an entire new operation there and it takes a long time and you have to vet a lot of people and so i don't like doing it that often but um what i can say is that you should be analyzing the markets you go into before you get there one and two um i mean we're in a long long expansion cycle economically you know Mm. pandemic aside um the economy is still really strong and so we've had a lot of capital sitting on the sidelines for a long time now it's looking for a place to park itself and it's been that way for several years mm-hmm. why you're seeing the uh, the value of assets being driven north you know your primary markets are all picked over your secondary markets are all picked over so really what's left kind of are the tertiary markets and that's in my opinion where you're seeing majority of cap rate compression going on in the country right now so i'm doing you know a little deal in mississippi right now and you know it's just a atm and uh so i i kind of nose around but you know your listeners if they're going to get into the game should be aware it's really challenging to set up a team in a market that you have yet to penetrate once you're in there and you have all your relationships established you know it, it you can uh, rinse and repeat but yeah. it takes months of hard focused work. And I know what I'm doing. If I was a newbie to this game, it would, you know, it would take me a couple of years to get all those relationships established. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So expanding on that a little bit, I got to say, I've definitely heard in both 
people who I know who do real estate investing and stock market investing, everyone seems to be sitting on the the dry powder right now, so to say, the stockpile of cash is waiting for somewhere to put it. Uh, but going back to your comment about penetrating new markets, uh, what would you say your process is for getting into a new one that you know you've never been in before? Mm. Well, there are, uh, and I'll ask Josh to follow up on this one. But you know, there are three or four main things that I immediately jump on when I penetrate a new market. You know, you're looking around the market to feel it out. You know, is I'm looking at you know, housing starts. I'm looking at building permit activity. I'm looking at vacancy rates in the marketplace. I am, you know, trying to look at what the job base in that market is and whether there's going to be job creation going forward. Um, the mantra in our business is job growth creates rent growth. And there's always a delay on housing production once job growth starts. And so there's a you know a two to three to maybe five win five year window of opportunity there where you can really get in, renovate a place, make your profit, um, kind of stabilize it, refi it, hold it for cash flow, exit. Um, so that's the first thing I'll look at. Um, but then you've got to build your team. So you've got to have a property manager. You've got to have a contractor. You you know you've got to have a, a legal representation. You've got to have accounting. You know some of those you may have already, and you know your your legal and accounting may go from state to state to state with you. But you know generally speaking, contractors and property managers those are local folks that you have to spend a lot of time interviewing and vetting. Uh, and that and that's hard. And then even then, after you've vetted them. Your first deal is just a roll of the dice. You're hoping they will perform and that you don't pull an urban mire, you know? And um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, so, I mean, you're risking a lot of both your money personally and your investor's money. And so you have to be betting correctly. Yeah. So, you know, it keeps you awake at night. Yeah. Mark's spot on with that. I would just add that, um, you know, when we're looking at other markets that we don't, we're not familiar with, one of the top things that I look for is uh, density. Um, you want to be looking for assets that are in dense markets, high, highly populated near metropolitan centers. Doesn't mean that you can't find deals, you know, out in you know the boonies or outside of city that can't work. It's just that there's a higher risk that you could have some unforeseen event where maybe there's a big employment center, one particular employer that's nearby there, and they go out of business. Well, guess what? That property is probably not going to stay occupied for very long. Um, versus when you're in dense areas, you've got just a smorgasbord of different employers that it's going to kind of cross pollinate. You always have a safety net there. Yep. So um, I think that's other than that, I think Mark pretty much covered all of it on that question. And uh, stepping back onto um, a comment y'all made at the very beginning and, you know, your business model and what you do. Uh, you've talked a lot about, you know, the value add approach. I believe you both brought it up, which is a uh, very Warren Buffett-esque do you feel that's, you know, always the best way to try and at, try to, I guess, create wealth in the real estate market or are there other ways to it? Or how are you, I guess, leveraging that to generate returns? Josh, why don't you take point on that one? Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely believe that's the best way uh, because it's the only thing that takes appreciation risk out of it. Because like I kind of said earlier, if if you buy something that's brand new, the rents are pretty much already at the top of where they're going to be for that point in time. Now you can go in there and buy and say, Hey, I think the market's going to keep going up and it very well could, but 
you know, again, that, that's where timing really comes and becomes a big factor is when you're buying these brand new assets, you have to time it right. Because if you did buy it, let's say you were back in, uh, you know, 2005, 2006, and you top tick that one, you were hurting because there was, there was nowhere to go. Things just went down. Um, so that's why we're strong believers in value add, because no matter what the market's doing, you're forcing value into the property through, you know, better management, better renovations. Um, you know, there's a, there's a clear path to getting the rents from point A to point B because they're low. If you do the work, you can get them to, you get them a little bit higher based on the market comps that you're seeing with a class A, you're already at the top. So you're hoping the market keeps going up in your favor, or you can marginally increase those rents, you know, three to 4% a year. Um, so that's the reason that we take the value out approach. It's just a much safer bet. And I think that's why Warren Buffett does as well. Yeah, a couple of points I'll add to that is um, the value add game, if you if done correctly, I mean, there's really two or three models for real estate investing when you distill it all down. I mean, there's buy and hold, momentum play, you know, trading, and then there's uh, value add and buying, you know, undervalued assets and forcing appreciation into them. Um, we like that model, not the least of which I've got a 35 year career building things, you know, so I, I'm always wanting to get out in the field and roll my sleeves up and get to work. But, you know, to, you know, to contribute to what Josh just said, I mean, there's the increase in the valuation and the forced appreciation approach, but more importantly for me is it takes all the risk out of the deal. And, you know, as, uh, you know, investors, we're all presented with a continuum of investment opportunities. And so each of those each of those opportunities, you have to evaluate not only the upside of the opportunity, but the opportunity cost of your capital. I mean, if you're, mm -hmm. if you're investing here, that takes away your ability, if you have a fixed bucket of money, to invest in this opportunity over there. So you have to evaluate the risk-reward uh, ratio of any asset. Um, and, you know, stocks, it's, it's all in my book, you know, momentum trading, you can buy some undervalued uh, plays in the stock market. But I mean, let's face it, the market is at any given time is a pretty efficient animal. And so equities pretty much trade for what they're worth. And you don't get to use leverage in the stock market, whereas in real estate, you're constantly using leverage. And if you buy your assets correctly and do a forced appreciation model, you've also got the advantage of pulling all the risk out of the deal, which is what we look at a lot. And so what we like about what we do is that, you know, given the, the risk and the reward, I think we have the highest, we offer the highest risk for the lowest reward of any asset class out there. All the way around. I, highest, oh, pardon me, highest reward for the lowest risk. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for yeah. the correction there, Josh. Yeah. I'm glad My you just got corrected. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but you get that. Yeah, I think you understand the thesis of what I was saying is, you, you know, we're not just looking for the opportunities, but we're also trying to mitigate risk as much as we can on behalf of our investors. You know, happy investors are frequent flyers. And so we will, you know, do all we can to take, you know, all the risk off the table. I mean, our underwriting is so conservative. And if a deal works after we grind it through our, you know, machine, you know, it's a good deal and it shouldn't spit off cash for years to come. Mm -hmm. And that is, of course, the absolute dream of any investor, low risk, high return. Yeah, you know, we're not gamblers. You know, this is not Bitcoin. It's, it's not cryptocurrency. I mean, if you want to go do that, then we're not your guy. Um, but if you want, you know, 
20% returns annually with the, you know, a highly reduced risk profile. I mean, that's what we offer. And I've made a lot of money that doing that. Josh has made a lot of money doing that. We've made millions of dollars for our investors. Doing so, but we're not gambling here. And speaking on the uh, de-risking, another, you know, course part of that is uh, you spoke or uh, do not remember which one of you brought it up. It was that um, a lot of the, what you invest in is recession resistant. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you elaborate on that, Eddie? Uh, yeah, sure. You know, I, I'm, Mark, yeah, that, Mark. I'll take point for a second, Josh, and I'll let you elaborate. You know, the, yeah. the theory, the thesis is, you know, A class in a, in a recession, A class will empty out and flee to B class, and B class will empty out and flee to C class. And so, in any economic, and I've been through three of them now, holding properties, C class, you know, C plus class properties. You know, everyone flees your way. Mm-hmm. And and I can tell you that throughout this entire pandemic, our portfolio has been 92, 94% occupied the entire time. And I believe last month we had the best month we've ever had. Mm-hmm. So uh, I know I have a property up here in Seattle still, and I've always been 100% with a wait list all two years of this pandemic. So, um, and we're charging top of the market rents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just based on empirical evidence, I mean, COVID was a mini market correction that bounced back quickly, but you still had, a, you know, about a good six months to see how everything, where did the dust finally settle? We didn't see a blip. In fact, we saw upticks in our occupancy. And like Mark just said, we had our best month and soon to be quarter that we've ever had across the portfolio. So that's just, just more of a testament to the thesis. It's not just a theory. I mean, there's data that backs this up and we, we see it firsthand. Two of you are doing this firsthand. You've got experience in the field and you're using what works. Hard to argue with it. Yep. So I guess you know, kind of, I hear you. You know, start wrapping everything up. So, uh, you know, what's next for the two of you? Where do you see yourselves in the future after this? Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're focused on basically doubling our size next year. So our asset size is about 300 million. Um, you know, over 2,200 plus units. And, uh, you know, we are doing a lot bigger deals than we used to. Um, you know, so it doesn't take a whole lot of time to get there. So if we can get close to 5,000 units by the end of the year, 2022, um, you know, we'll be in good shape and, you know, Mark is uh, you know, critical part of all of our deals. He's been with us now about six or seven deals as a, you know, a great partner and, um, you know, brings a lot of skill sets to the table. So we're just going to keep strengthening that relationship and keep doing good deals together. Yeah, my personal goals uh, for the coming year are um, I'm going to be retiring from architecture after 35 years. I'll have uh, enough cash flow off my deals that, um, you know, it's going to allow me to focus on uh, the real estate side of things full time. And uh, I have four grandkids I want to spend some time with and uh, travel a little bit. So, you know, eight years ago, if you were to ask me, if I would be sitting here having this conversation with you as I was going bankrupt, I would have said no. Um, uh, you know, I went through that recession back in 2008 and 9. It really didn't impact me until about 2013, 14, and it just hit me like a sledgehammer. And um, my mom got sick. I got divorced. I went through, you know, that recession and I was on my knees. I mean, I was a millionaire at 45 and damn near bankrupt at 48. And so I had to start over and I can tell you, I bounced back very uh, strongly and 
Um, balance sheet is stronger than ever, and I've got plenty of cash flow coming in. So for your listeners out there, I mean, if you get interested in the game, um, you can do this as an active investor, go out and find your own deals. You can do this as a passive investor and still make great returns on the side. It's uh, There are models, you know, business models for all of this. Um, and uh, But you can definitely uh, generate a lot of wealth uh, just uh, by being very disciplined in your approach. So that's um, kind of what I've got going on and how I plan to continue going forward. So you didn't go bankrupt doing real estate and value add, I can tell you that. No, you cannot. No. <laughs> I mean, stuff happens. Don't don't kid yourself. I mean, stuff happens all the time. Uh, and we have plenty of war stories we can tell you. I mean, I had just closed on a deal, um, sold it, was doing a tying up the value add exercise on it, had a fire inspection at 9 a.m. on a Friday morning. And the next morning at 1.30 in the morning, one of my tenants decided to go off on a nut and he torched the whole place, complete loss. Um, so, you know, stuff happens and you just got to roll with it. And um, that said, I still made a ton of money on that deal. So one of my most profitable deals of all time. So I hear all we can do is keep moving and congratulations on the retirement. Huh, well, it's a pivot. It's not retirement. <laughs> Guys like me never retire. So yeah. Rolling Stone gathers no moss. And uh, I, well, I guess last question. Uh, where can we find you both online? Uh, so you can find so three pillars capital group.com three that's all spelled out one word. And uh, my email, if you guys want to get a hold of me, learn more what we're all about. Um, Josh W at three pillars capital group.com. And I can be found at S-G-R-E investments, plural.com. That's Schuler Group Real Equity uh, Investments.com. And you can just reach me at, S um, excuse me, Mark at S-G-R-E Investments.com. And I'll make sure to link all of that in the show notes. Well, thank you both very much for coming on and talking with us. Thank you. Thanks for having thank us. You. Yep.